So if you're new here, welcome to Ruby. Um, we've been in this series called Back to Basics and a really brief overview. Um, every week, um, we're talking about a Christian practice and we spend two weeks on each practice. And so the first week, we'll unveil a Christian practice and, and just ask one simple question of why. why. Why do Christians do this? Where do we see it in the Bible? Why is this important? And so if you've never heard of the practice, it's a great time to be here because we try to really break it down in the simplest form. That's how my brain functions. I need simplicity, okay? Um, But we don't just stay in the why of of Christian practices. We'll take the second week uh, to move into the question of how, all right? I've just found in my own life, I don't know about you, what kind of learner you are, but if I just hear something and I hear information, that's fine, but there's certainly no promise that goes anywhere in my life. It's, it's when someone goes, hey, let's start thinking about how this applies to your life in real time. And let's not even just think about it. Let's circle up and talk about it. Let's problem solve together. Let's talk about our thoughts, our questions, our wrestlings. That's for me uh, when I find I can actually start living into the things we're talking about. Um, and I think that's basically just humans, right? I, I talked about this stat that I saw at a training event where you remember 70% of what, well, sorry, if you remember 20%, of what you just hear, but you remember 70% of what you discuss with others. You remember 80% of what you experience. You remember 90%, 90% of what you teach someone else. And so the goal of this series is to go, hey, we're gonna start with the 70, 70%, let's talk to each other. I hope we bump it up to 80% as we go out and obey what we've talked about. And then my big, big God dream that I believe he put this series on my heart for a reason is that 90% goal, that we become a people that talk about it, that experience it, but then learn how to hand it off to someone else, to teach someone else. And then you're looking at, we've just done the 70, the 80, and the 90 at three, you know, it's, that's a good retaining rate, right? So anyway, you get it. Okay, um, back to basics. All right, we have a new um, topic this week, new basic this week. And uh, if I'm just being transparent, I brought this stool today from the office because I feel um, like I'm in uncharted territory. This is the first one that I'm talking about that I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna do a good job on this one. Um, I just feel like it's one of those that I can talk in theory, but can't talk about from a practitioner's standpoint. Um, So bear with me, let's just struggle together. In five years, I'll hopefully teach this much better, but we're gonna really do this together today, okay? Um, But I'll start out with a story because that's what I like to do. So I was watching the playoffs on like Monday or Tuesday this week, I believe. Maybe there wasn't playoff games then. I was watching the playoffs at some point and this commercial came on for this food delivery service, which is sick, right? That's a good deal that food can get delivered to your front door. And and it was basically just saying like, hey, the reason this app is amazing is because whatever you're in the mood for, whenever you're in the mood for it, we'll bring it to you. I, can't, I tried to find the, the specific commercial on YouTube. I went to that app's homepage and couldn't find the commercial that I had just watched. But I believe the slogan that they used at the very end to sell you on it was, whatever you want, whenever you want it. I am not calling that out as bad. In fact, I love that that's something they're offering me, right? Whatever I want, whenever I want it, like sign me up. That sounds really good. But it, it, it kind of stepped me back. I immediately wrote it down. I was like, wow, that is such a thing that captures the air we breathe. We live in a culture where people who make a lot of money go, how can we make more money? We cater to everyone's every desire and we don't even make them leave the house for it. 
right? And so I'm not saying, I'm not demonizing that, right? If you use whatever food delivery service you use, more power to you. It's a pretty good deal on a Saturday, right? And who doesn't want to have the option of Taco Bell at 2 a.m. without leaving their living room, right? Is that just, are we frowning upon Taco Bell? I just want to make sure communally, I hate it too. Okay, yeah, that didn't, never mind. I don't do that either. Um, but uh, I, I know that's, I start standing up. I got nervous. All right, let's, let's move them around a little bit. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, um, I, I'm not frowning about that, but, but I just like, I just thought, of, I started thinking about, you know, whether you're a Walmart person, a Kroger person, a Whole Foods, Amazon person, like wherever you're at, all of those now offer these amazing options. Same day delivery, pull up in the parking lot, we'll bring the groceries to you. And it's a really cool thing as technology advances that we can do things like that. But I, I just think like subversively, what it's saying is whatever you want will make it as convenient as possible right? I mean, even think about like the dating scene and how much that's changed, right? Like scripture would say that that relationship is about submitting, is about loving the other person as Christ loves the church. But we live in a culture that goes, if their nose is just a smudge too big, swipe to the next person. Next person. Not, not that one. Next person. Oh, beautiful. Weird hobby. Next person, Right? And subversively, I think, do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, I think subversively what's being communicated there is whatever you want, whatever you need. And I want to address that because what we're going to talk about today is going to push back against that a little bit. It's going to push back against, I think, what's being cultivated in us, that it's all about us. Today we're going to talk about what it looks like to be a people who live the lives of servants. Jesus In Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, who had spent eternity in the heavenly realms, having his praises appropriately lifted up his direction, like he deserved that, comes to the earth and and chooses to live a life not to be served, which would have made a lot of sense for Jesus to come to the earth and go, I'm here so that you all can serve me. But he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to the life of a servant. And so this is a, this is a new thing to me, all right? We're gonna talk about what it looks like to be a people that live into the, grace, the, the basic the, grace, grace, the basic Christian practice of serving, all right, of service, all right? And so um, I, I wanna walk through this, and I wanna start out with a video. Um, it's a Bible project video, and it's actually on the word justice, but I think as you hear them talk through that, um, it's gonna help give us some framework for how we're gonna talk about serving and how we see other people around us as image bearers of God. Um, before we do that, big preface, I usually don't try to encourage this like super aggressively, but today I really wanna encourage you to take notes. Um, We're gonna get into a part where I'm gonna list a lot of scripture and it's gonna just be kinda easy to zone out. So A, notes will help you kinda stay in it. Um, So the task will be, as I list scripture, um, you write down the passage that you'll see on the screen, but then also you'll write down very briefly what that passage was about. I don't include that on the slide, so that'll be where you get to be interactive, all right? So you'll write down the passage, I'll explain what that is, and you just kinda write that in your notes. Um, Because at the end, I'm gonna give us an action item, what to do with those scriptures during the week, okay? All right, so first, 
Let's watch a Bible project video. If at any point you're confused, raise your hand. I'm confused too, okay? Um, all right, Ben, let's, uh, let's show this video. All right. Um, so I love, um, what I love in this, this video is, is this understanding that, that every human here is an image bearer of God and that is not distributed. That, that image of God is distributed evenly across all of humanity. And no matter what our culture might say about everyone is loved, everyone is equal, socially, we just see it in society. That's not true. There's a hierarchy. There just is. Like, it's just how it is. And what's so amazing about the biblical narrative is Jesus disrupts that hierarchy. Um, he disrupts how we dish out value differently to different people. Jesus brings this like all-encompassing love and compassion and validation to all humans. And so um, I, I wanna break that down a little bit. A few things from that video that I thought was amazing. How they defined righteousness was so good. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. I don't know about you, but I often think of right relationship between me and God when I think of the word righteousness. But as Cody and I were talking this week, he helped me see that righteousness refers to right relationship between all people. I think we would all go, righteousness is super important. Like that's just like one of the main descriptors of a person that follows Jesus. Um, But I'd never equated it to how I have relationship with other people. And so I love that. Um, I loved how they talked about how justice can refer to retributive justice, which is like paying consequences for actions, but that the Bible refers to restorative justice, um, which means going out of your way and seeking out vulnerable people being taken advantage of and actually helping them. Um, and we're going to get into the how next week, okay? So right now, just stick with me. There's going to be a lot of content. We're accidentally going to go into that 20%, whatever you just hear. So if you take notes, that'll bump up a little bit, all right? Um, so um, some people would call this charity, which is narrow in scope. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable. Um, justice and righteousness are about a radical and selfless way of life. Courageously seeing other people's problems as my problems. This is not always convenient or easy, all right? Courageously seeing other people's problems as my problems. This is not always convenient or easy. Or, or easy. So um, serving is, is a, a little bit broader than that, but I thought that was a good way to, to start this conversation. Um, so I wanna take the next few minutes to, and, and we have a slide, whoever's on slides, could you guys pull up the, the one with scripture? Um, it, who is it? Let's see. Here you go. I just take from you. Thank you very much. No problem. Uh, wow. All right. So these are all the scriptures I'm going to read um, or just summarize. I know you guys see like uh, 1 through 42 somewhere. Yeah, I'm not going to read all those. But, um, but these are the ones that I, I want you to write down. So I think there's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 16 of them. <laughs> so this should be super interactive um, with your phone um, or your paper. Um, but I want to walk through them just to help us see how big, how not subtle the Bible is about seeing other people as image bearers of God and and seeking to love and serve them and cultivate relationship. And I think that the word serve has been tarnished, and I hope that today's conversation will help uh, give a, a healthy understanding of what serving means. I think sometimes serving can mean, oh, I'm going to someone lesser and making them feel nice for a little bit, and then I go do what I do, 
right? That's an unhealthy understanding of what serving is, all right? Serving is image bearer to image bearer at all times, okay? So anyway, let's go through this. I'm gonna be kind of chill today. Um, so again, whatever you can do to like zone in, just go for it. Fight, fight hard to pay attention, all right? Because um, I, I, I already am hearing my tone. I'm like, I'm being so, I think I'm being very relaxing. All right, um, maybe, maybe I'm, <laughs> I don't know what that means. All right, so let's start out uh, looking no further than the 10 Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, one through 17, all right? So when I think about the 10 Commandments, I go, oh, that's the thing that helps me stay good with God. And so then I associate all the 10 Commandments being about me and God, right? But if you actually look closely, the first four cultivate me and God. No other gods before me, not taking his name in vain. But the next six, so 60% of the 10 Commandments are about maintaining healthy relationship with other people treating people with dignity. Hey, don't bear false witness. Don't steal. Don't covet. Like, don't want what someone else has. It's all about maintaining healthy relationships with other people. So we see this, like, in the Ten Commandments that are all about relationship with God, in the same, and it's like a two-handed thing. And on one hand, it's you and God. On the other hand, it's you and people. And you're going to see that pattern over and over again, that simultaneous with loving God is loving people. And I think the flow that I'm going to, I think I'm going to maybe potentially capture is that loving God is loving people and that serving is an action form of love. So love is not only a motive, right? A lot of us, have, we attach emotion to love. I feel in love with them. But love is an act, right? It's a choice. And serving is a very specific action point of the word love. Okay, so 10 commandments. First four, you and God. Next six, you and people, all right? Leviticus 19, nine through 18, God is setting the law for his people. And I'm gonna read this whole thing because I think when we think of the Old Testament, we may not think of this. Uh, We may think of like war and I don't know. I don't know what we think of, but listen to this. This is awesome. He's giving instruction to his people. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. So when when the food's ready, don't take all of it. It's your food, but don't take it all, okay? Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, or like the traveler. I am the Lord your God. I love that that's the next sentence. (laughs) He goes, leave food for the poor, for the sojourner. Don't take it for yourself. Leave what is yours for the poor, for the sojourner, and then I am the Lord your God. Just to make sure, I think that makes me go, I'm not like just encouraging you, I'm commanding you. Like this is a part of the law. You remember those that don't have what you have and you share as if it's there. I just think it's really cool. Okay, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God, I am the Lord. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor, I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, all right? 
Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We're gonna move on to the New Testament, looking at Jesus. Um, Shocker, Jesus does this super well. Um, He lives the life of a servant super well. Uh, In John chapter 127, just right at the beginning of Jesus popping up and going, hey, I'm bringing forth the kingdom. His first act is to go to a guy named John the Baptist, his um, good and trusted friend. And John the Baptist says, I'm unworthy to even untie the sandals on the feet of Jesus. That's how different we are. That's how holy he is. I can't even do the act of a servant to Jesus. He's that far away from me. And yet Jesus goes before John the Baptist and says, hey, baptize me, right? This place of humility. In Mark chapter five, verse 25, we're gonna see that Jesus embodies the life of the servant as he goes, right? So we might live in a a space where we go, oh, I need to be a servant. Let me structure that, right? Let me implement, which is a good thing. I'm not demonizing that at all. Um, but I want you to notice Jesus' as he goes, ebb and flow, servant heart, okay? Um, so in, John, in Mark 5, 25, that's the story of that woman who had been bleeding and ill for 12 years. And Jesus is just walking in the midst of a crowd and he feels a woman touch him. And he stops in the middle of that and speaks with her and heals her and, and gives her dignity, right? He, he, claim, he puts value on her life. Um, this is most likely someone who had been ignored or seen as... Uh, gross. And, and like, why is this dirty, unclean woman, this diseased woman touching me? And Jesus totally flips that narrative immediately as he goes, right? And in some ways, he's interrupted from what he's trying to accomplish. But the posture of a servant, right? He sees the image of God in her. And so it's really powerful. Uh, but then there's other moments where he really intentionally seeks out places to serve. So John 4, 1 through 42, um, that's, that, that, that's that moment where Jesus goes to the Samaritan woman, um, she's at the well and like at like the hottest part of the day. Um, she's had um, a few different husbands. And through study, you could assume that she's going to the well at that part of the day because she was completely isolated from community. She was just seen as an outcast, as unclean. And Jesus very intentionally goes up to her, shares the gospel with her, and then she goes and evangelizes her town in Samaria. It's this very cool moment, but Jesus intentionally seeks her out, gives her dignity. In Luke chapter 9, Verses 10 through 17, this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 after preaching, showing that um, he's not just like a spiritual need meter, right? He's, he like sees the people and they are physically hungry and he takes it upon himself to meet that need, right? He gives them actual bread and fish, right? He doesn't go, I will fill you with the bread of heaven, now go and be full, right? And they're like, I don't know what that means, but I'm super hungry right now, like, right? So he feeds them um, bread and fish. Um, in Mark chapter 10, 45, I've already read this, but it says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, this is super powerful, and I had never thought about this this way until this week. This is where um, someone asked him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Basically, Jesus, if we had to just obey one commandment, what is it? And Jesus does that thing where you're asking for one answer and he gives you two and they're both right. He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
This is the great and first commandment. Then he goes, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus goes hand in hand with loving God, which we would go, if you're following Jesus, is first and foremost most important. Like, right, if you, if you ask yourself, how am I doing with God? How's my walk with God? What are the things that come to your mind? I don't know about you, but I go, have I been reading the Bible lately? Have I prayed regularly? Am I worshiping God? Like that, those are the things, I don't, is that, does you relate to that? Is that what you measure, right? I, I never, when I'm asking myself, how are God and I doing? I never go, how am I loving others? That's not my first impulse. I mean, as I've grown and matured and been discipled, like that's kind of in my sphere. But I think culturally, that's not what our brain goes to. But Jesus goes, hey, the law and the prophets, they hinge on two things. One, that you love God with every fiber in your being on every level. But two, the second thing is like it. You love your neighbor as yourself. That's that moment, that video where they said, their problems, their needs become my own because they are an image bearer and I love them as I love me. If I had that need and someone who could meet the need was over there, I would hope that I would have that need met by the person who can meet it, right? And then we posture ourselves in the same way, going when we see needs, it becomes our need, all right? I think this is really powerful. I, I never realized that Jesus said that like so clearly. Loving other people is right in hand with loving God, which is, I don't know, maybe it's not, it blows my mind. Um, all right, John 15, uh, 12 through 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Um, this is a really funny one. In Luke chapter 22, I think I wanna read this. It's pretty goofy. The disciples are doing what probably I would do if I was in their situation. They're getting super greedy because they know that Jesus is like the king of kings. Um, so check this out. Listen to the greed in these guys. Um, Luke 22, this is verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. All right, so think about this. You've been following Jesus for three years. Um, we're a chapter away from his crucifixion. Jesus is thinking about the weight of the world, the Garden of Gethsemane's coming up, the Passover, he's ready to hand off the kingdom, like this is what it's gonna look like, all this stuff. The disciples are going, no, 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 no. That's not nearly as good as me. Jesus, will you tell him that I am better, right? They're literally having that legitimate of a conversation. They're going, Jesus, help us understand who's the better person here, okay? And then listen to what Jesus does here. The kings of the Gentiles, this is what Jesus is saying, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is the, great, who is the greater, one who reclines at table or one who serves? It is not the one, is it not the one who reclines at table, but I among you as the, uh, gosh, but I am, am among you as the one who serves. Basically, my, I couldn't read that passage because I don't know why, but Jesus is saying like, look at me. Like the greatest, the goat is right here before you. Pay attention. How am I living my life? Notice me serving don't get lost in trying to assert your dominance as the greatest, as the superior, as the better one. Instead, serve, lower yourself, which I think is 
really, really powerful. Um, all right, moving on. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Maybe in your notes you could just write, hey, this is where Jesus divides the sheeps and the goats. Um, and this passage, I, I, maybe you grew up in a tradition that covered this passage a lot. I did not. Um, and Jesus is not super subtle here. This is one of his more overt, explicit passages. Um, and this is where he talks about that what will separate <laughs> the sheep, the seep. Um, so what will separate the sheep and the goats? Uh, the sheep, the ones that belong to Jesus, are those who had eyes for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the stranger, for the naked, and for the prisoner. Goes, that's, that's what I'm going to say. And, and when you read that passage, I won't read it, but when you read that passage, he goes, when you did it unto them, like when you clothed the naked, when you visited the prisoner, when you fed the hungry, when you gave water to someone who was thirsty, you did that to me, right? He's very literally going, that's an image bearer. That's mine. That human is me. Something I thought about this morning was the unseen God sees the unseen and the spirit of the unseen God is within us and he will help us see the unseen. And then it's up to us to decide what we do with that, what we do with the eyes he will give us. So Jesus goes, I will separate based on if you did this unto these, because when you did it unto these, you did it unto me, all right? That if Jesus walked in here, how just on our best behavior would we be? right? We would all turn into just model citizens and model servants for, for Jesus, right? And Jesus goes, take that scenario and apply it to the hungry, to the thirsty, to the stranger, to the naked, to the prisoner. I think it's just very, very powerful. And to anyone feeling overwhelmed, same, but we're going to work, we're going to walk together, all right? I don't think God wants us to hear all this and go like, whoa, the world has so many problems. What in the world? I'm not Superman. And like, he is, so we're all good, right? But we'll walk through that together. Philippians 2, 4 through 8 brings this home. We've talked about some physical stuff, some um, God like uh, giving dignity, but this is where we like, this is for all of us. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, okay? This, so this is totally in the realm of possibility, to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a, guess what the word is? servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus takes on flesh, lives the life of a servant, dies for our sake. In fact, we are the, the, the person who had no way to meet the need unless Jesus chose to leave his place of privilege and meet the need on our behalf. It captures all of us, all right? That's the one that goes like, this is all of us. We have been served. We could have went unseen, and yet we did not. Jesus saw us and acted on our behalf in only a way that Jesus could have. No one else could have done what Jesus did. No one else could have served and met the need that Jesus met, all right? So that's what he does by taking on the cross. This same spirit marks the church in Acts 2.45, the passage says that they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they come and meet Jesus, right? They come to the Lord. 
they receive the Holy Spirit, they understand the ridiculous generosity, the servant heart that Jesus has brought to them. And so they respond by going, okay, whatever need exists, I understand what I have can meet that need. Like to whatever, in this, in this community, they start sharing as if no one owns anything. Have you ever thought about how crazy that would be if we all just went, hey, free game. What you own is mine, what I own is yours, whenever we need it. I don't know how that would function from a government perspective. I don't know how that would work, all right? But think about the heart in that community. Think about what that might look like to go, any need is, my, is mine. And anytime that I have a need, I know it's yours. And so we're gonna to work together. I think that's really powerful. It marks this community. Um, we see this in marriage too. In, in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, um, this like marks marriage. A healthy relationship is marked by submissiveness. Like wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as your own flesh. <laughs> like if you ever thought about how much you're into yourself, when someone commands you to love someone else like you love you, that is a tall task. I love me and I'm looking out for me at all points in time. Catch me at any part of the day and I'm checking, I'm looking out for myself, all right? And Paul goes, what marks healthy relationship is that you love each other the way you love you, that you submit to each other, that you love each other the way Christ loved the church. Low key, Christ died for the church, right? High key. So um, powerful stuff here. So what does it look like to take the posture of a servant? Okay, today is all about just laying down the biblical framework. I'm hoping to just sell you on, on how much the Bible emphasizes in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the importance that we operate in this realm, in this world, seeing others as image bearers of God, seeing their needs as our needs and functioning that way. So next week is gonna be how do we work through this? How does this look? All right, because when I have this conversation, I feel extremely overwhelmed, all right? We have so much access to how much is wrong with the world. <laughs> like we just have so much access. And so the minute I'm like, okay, everyone's need is my need, great. I'm gonna have a panic attack for the next six years and then I'll try to get to this, all right? You know, that's how it feels. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't believe that's God's heart for us, okay? What I, what I pictured was, if you've ever been in a, at a concert and they did the cheesy moment where everyone pulls out the flash of their phone, have you ever done that? You ever been to like a candlelight service where everyone lights a candle? When the first candle is lit, it's like not that impressive, right? It's like, is that a candle? Is that someone? I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a lightning bug in here. I don't know. It's like not impressive. But when everyone's candle is lit, the whole room is illuminated, right? And that's what I want to tap into next week. Like 1 Corinthians 12 depicts the church as saying every one of you is uniquely gifted. And when all of us live into our giftings, into our callings, we function as a body, right? This finger can't get a lot done. Add nine fingers, some hands, some elbows, a chest, the legs, and then all of a sudden we're functioning, right? That's how body works. <laughs> Stupid. Um, <laughs> so dumb. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, think about each body part on its own. Not that helpful. It's because it's attached to the rest of the body that all of a sudden it's a pretty helpful deal, right? And so now that's the picture that the Bible gives us, that if we'll hold our candle, if we'll be our body part, and it, as a collective, if we'll all do that, we will see impact. We will see like this image bearer mentality, this your need is my need, start to make a real dent in our city. It's possible, right? So we don't have to take on the weight of the world. God's, God's got that. He'll handle the weight of the world, right? But he's asking us to live into our part. So we'll get into that next week. Um, but just some checkpoints for, for how to take on the posture of a servant. This is not a checkbox thing. This is a heart thing. 
This is a work of the heart. And so my type A people will give you some measure, there'll be some measurables in ways to like serve people and to go, hey, this is a way to do it. But God is trying to get to the heart here, how you see other people. Because sometimes I, do, I immediately go to capacity. I don't have time. My schedule, how's this gonna fit? God is like, time on that. Let's get to the heart here. This is a conversation to have the eyes that God has for his children, okay? This is fueled by love and compassion and by selflessness. This comes from the spirit of God. Remember what the spirit of God is called. There's two things that we talked about. Do you guys remember? Uh, one's the spirit of truth and the other is the helper. Help, say it, the helper. Helper, yeah. The spirit of God is the helper, so in this conversation, as we take next week to brainstorm, what does it look like to be people that take on the heart of the servant that Jesus is? We have the Holy Spirit with us. He supersedes our capacity. He overcomes our own tendency to be selfish and to be overwhelmed. The Spirit of God is with us, okay? So um, we'll come back next week and talk about this, um, mainly talking about how we see needs and then meet needs in the name of Jesus. Action item this week. So I would love for you to circle one or two of these passages this, and sometime this week to, to give your quiet time to just reflecting on this passage and going, God, how can I just step into obedience around this passage? Like, what am I noticing? What am I seeing in here? And then God, how can I begin to live into it, right? So does that make sense? And so just to kind of get our hearts ready, get our minds brainstorming, get, getting us thinking about what it looks like to take on the servant heart, of Jesus, choose one or two of these, and sometime this week, really reflect and think about it, because next week, uh, we're going to really get into the, the how. What does it look like to take on uh, that, that servant heart that Jesus has, okay? Um, for now, does, that make, does anyone have any questions? Seriously, is there any questions? Let me be quiet for just a little bit longer. Good. Does this, does this feel like it's connecting? Can someone just share what they're thinking about right now? If you don't have a question, I'm gonna assume you're connecting some dots that you're like thinking about. Could someone just share what are you hearing right now? What is helpful? Just thinking about knowing the opportunities to serve. Like we did the, uh, the camp for kids or whatever, we're doing that later. I'm like, oh, that's a great opportunity. But for me, it's like, all right, how can I figure out all the opportunities that are available I think about going out by myself, and I'm just like, that's overwhelming. I don't know what to do. I can't start like a revolution. But if somebody else is like, hey, I'm doing this program, then I'm like, sweet, I want to be a part of that. So I'm just thinking, how can I access all the opportunities to serve that? That's really good. That's awesome. And I think, we'll, and we'll also tap into next week. There's, there's the servant heart is is applicable in all context, and so this is a very specific way, right? Like looking for opportunities to go and plug in and serve. This will also take place in the family, amongst friends, initiatives in the city. So we'll definitely dig into the different realms and what it looks like to plug in on like the organic level and the, hey, I'm trying to like go sign up for something. So we'll, we'll cover, I'll, I'll try my best to cover all of that. But that's, that's a great question. What else? What else is going through your minds? I know this is weird, but one day this will be a very normal thing for us to do a back and forth. Yeah. The question is saying, I just feel like a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in like, one verse in the Bible that's kind of confusing and then people spend a ton of time talking about that one verse. It's like, what does the Bible say over and over and over again? What does Jesus embody consistently? And it's so helpful to see this because it's so simple. Truly, it's just said in the ways. So. That's amazing. Thank you. What else? I want to, I, I, 
this is risky, but I'm gonna keep going. I just would love to hear what you're thinking. I really wanna hear what, I want, like Jesus gives us these commands because it's the heart of God. It will bring life to us, but it'll also like bring life to our city. It's so important. And, I, and, and the whole hope of this is to step into obedience. So I think it's important that we, you know, talk with one another. So what else is on your, on your heart and mind? Someone else tell me something. What do you think about it? It really makes me uncomfortable Anyone else relate to that? Will you raise your hand just to show Sarah? Okay. Just in case Sarah might have thought she was isolated. Our whole church struggles with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is exactly what my brain goes to. I am already around people always and talking about a lot of important things. I don't have time to be important somewhere else. Like, it, there's like this false narrative. And we're, I, I wanna, I'm, gonna do my, I'm gonna do my best to think really hard this week about digging in what causes that, that reaction. Not enough space, not enough time. I don't have enough love in here. I'm already doing what I can. Like, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. And that's it, all false narratives, right? Anything that would discourage us from just loving people and meeting need is not the spirit of God. And so there's, there's a false narrative in there. And I, we'll try to unpack that really well next week. But I'm really putting a lot on next week. Next week is gonna be amazing. <laughs> Anything else? What else is going through your mind? One or two more. All right, someone after you, someone from this side, because this side is dominating. Here, I'm gonna get hired, and then we'll do that, and then we'll, then we'll go. As we live, we're just super forgetful, and just like a constant reminder, like, and just trying to remind myself of like seeing your light in other people, and being like, everyone has that Jesus in them, and once we ignite our own light, so like a fire thing, like it can help ignite everyone else in getting the fire started Wow, but that's, that was sick. That's, that's a good point. Like, I just, I think, well, I mean, I think like, you know, we started with prayer, right? Getting alone with God. And no one, let's be really clear. Whatever the pressure we're feeling, Jesus felt it infinitely more, okay? He was trying to like save the, the world. And, and, and he was like the one guy who could do all the cool stuff. So everyone that saw him immediately went, I have a need you can meet if that's what you're looking for more of, right? So how does, G 
we have to remember that Jesus was fully God, but fully man. And so the question is, wait, let's just ask the question, how did Jesus sustain this mentally? How did he not break down and go, you know what? Cancel it, I'm gonna come back in like a thousand more years, I'll try to do this again, like, right? Why, does, why is he able to get through it? How does he do this? What sustains Jesus? And I think you having that insight, he gets alone to desolate places with the Father. Disciples are sleeping, they wake up, where's Jesus? I don't know, let's go looking for him. Gosh, not again, okay. He's probably by some tree praying. In fact, yes, he was, right? It says he often withdrew to lonely places to pray. We see that in Mark 1. He's literally out in the middle of the dark before the sun's come up and he's praying. I think it's a key thing to remember. When we start to feel the pressure, the same spirit that sustained Jesus is in us. He promises that. Um, and so I, I know that this can be a, a real pressure point and, and that immediately we just, and the easiest move here is to check out and just go back to the app that gets me what I want whenever I want it. That's just easier. There's no real friction there. Um, and, but I believe that Jesus will sustain us, that this will be good. So um, we're gonna take communion um, as a church. And so um, if you guys uh, would stand um, and you can exit towards the, the middle of, thank you so much for the feedback. Exit towards the middle of your rows. We have communion in all four corners.